Well, good evening, tribe. How are we doing tonight? Well, hey, we can go ahead and turn to Nehemiah 8 tonight. That's where we're going to start out. But first, as you guys turn there, I'm going to take a moment and pray. God, we just come before you. We love you. We want to grow. Lord God, I just pray that the words that come from my mouth would just be from your heart for us tonight. Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth, but you care about each and every single one of us. So go before us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we are going to be in Nehemiah 8 tonight, and I'm going to read a little bit, and then we're going to get right into the message. So Nehemiah 8, starting in verse 1. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square. Let's jump down to verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Let me pray for us one more time. God, as we read your word, we know it's alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. So I pray for tonight. I pray that as the word goes out, as we feel convicted by the Holy Spirit, that you would convict us so that we would love your son, Jesus Christ, more and more each day because of how good you are. So, Lord, cause us to walk in your ways tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in the summer of 2018, I was in Canada. Now, the reason why I was visiting Canada so much is because I was up there at the time to visit my new girlfriend. And this trip, yeah, you guys can clap. <laughs> it, it would be one of the memorable times I was in Canada for the wrong reasons. See, before I headed home, I stopped at Starbucks to get some of the essential things you need to make the three-hour drive back home. And my Starbucks order looks a little different because I've never been a coffee drinker. So my go-to, if any of you guys are ever at Starbucks before church, is a shaken black iced tea lemonade, no sweetener. And the snack I get is a cheese tray with fruit, or, or cheese and fruit tray. And since there's only about three drinks I get at Starbucks on a regular basis, I got the usual this time as I was up in Canada. Now, the thing is, the snacks are critical 
to drive home on I-5 because if I don't properly eat and drink, I may or may not have almost fallen asleep driving my car a few times, maybe a few more times than I would actually like to admit. After getting in my car and started the long drive home, I had a thought in my head that, man, I'm really not supposed to be bringing fruit across the border. So I ended up coming to the conclusion that it would be fine. So I proceeded to the border, and I'm like, they won't stop me. So I pulled up to the booth, I gave the officer my ID, and he sent me straight to get my car searched. So to say I wasn't freaking out, it was an understatement. I was, my heart was pounding, my mind was racing. So I pulled my car into the stall, and I had to get out and wait in the lobby. So I was given the sheet that makes you declare the items you're bringing back into the country that I had received in Canada, and I got to the question where it asked about fruit. So I was thinking about maybe I could just lie and hope they didn't look where I had quickly hid it, or I could have been honest. So I went back and forth, and I'm like, hey, am I supposed to declare fruit from Starbucks? And they're like, yeah, go ahead and put it down. So then I waited for them to finish searching my car. Thankfully, though, my dad had detailed my car really well before, so there was like nothing in it that they could possibly like get me in trouble for. And within a few minutes of them going through, they finally said, you're free to go. So I got out of there as fast <laughs> as I could drive without getting pulled over again. But the reality is that as much as I should have stopped and not made an excuse about what I knew I shouldn't have done or get arrested by the Canadian police, I should have done the right thing and stopped and thrown away the Starbucks fruit. Now, I made a bad decision. I justified my actions, even though they probably didn't care about me smuggling some fruit across the border. But the thing is, I made an excuse. So do you find that it's easy to make excuses about small things? I believe that's true. We make excuses about small things all the time. Do you find that true in your life? It could be as small as a little lie. Maybe it would be I could cheat on a test because we know I wouldn't get caught. Or the million other excuses we make on a daily basis. But there's one excuse as a Christian I think we need to talk about. It's an excuse that we make very easy, and I just want to bring it up tonight. And that is reading our Bibles. For most of my Christian walk, I have made many excuses about why I have not made more time daily for reading my Bible. And some of my excuses range from I don't care 
Two, I want to live in sin, so I'm not going to put the word of God into my life. Two, my schedule is so busy. And it concerns me most of the time that I don't, I make so many excuses about reading the, not reading the Bible. But the tragedy is I'm aware of it daily that this is happening, but I don't do anything about it. If you've been around the church long enough, when Christians ask each other about the Bi- their Bible reading, it might go something like this. Hey, have you read the Bible lately? No, nah, man, I'm super busy. Oh, it's okay. Jesus still loves you. Try better next time. Let's really look at this tonight. Yes, Jesus still loves you, And even if you don't read the Bible, Jesus loves you. But that fact never changes. But as believers, if we do not take reading the Bible seriously, there are some real consequences for this. Why are there so many excuses about us being so busy we cannot read the Bible in in church? Let's look at one that I believe most people in the church struggle with. And I believe most people, one of the excuses that leads to us not reading the word of God is screen time. And I think personally, screen time is ruining a few of your guys' lives. Screen time is also ruining your walk with the Lord. Scrolling on Facebook for hours and hours, wishing to come to an article that will satisfy you. Watching endless hours of YouTube on, on YouTube. <laughs> Binge watching Netflix. It's a major issue in the church, and according to a quick search on Google, people spend three hours and 15 minutes on their phone on average per day. Now, think about that. Does that sound like you? It's insane, and it, if you're a believer and you don't spend more than an hour, if you spend more than an hour on your phone per day, but you don't have time to read the Word of God, and I'm not talking about for work, right? and I'm not talking about for your job, I'm talking about personal time that you can choose what to do with, if you may have, you have your priorities wrong, you might be making an excuse. This may sound like I'm setting a hard and fast rule for you, but the thing is, in an age when we're not allowed to draw lines anymore, and we make excuses for everything we do, I believe we need to set a line on how much screen time we should be having and say that if you're a believer and you say you love God, but you're not, you're not making him the number one priority in our life, what does it say about your relationship with the Lord? Here's a quote by a teacher at my old high school. He was the weight training teacher and he's been an Olympic level trainer and he's been friend with like the Queen of England. I don't remember why I remember that fact, but he was friends with the Queen. I think he had like tea with her. 
He said, you make time for what matters the most. Let me say that one more time. You make time for what matters the most. What a great but more important telling quote. If, you're, if you are a believer here tonight and you need to take some spiritual inventory of your heart right now and decide what is the number one priority of your life because life is full of choices and what you choose now determines where you're going to be a hundred years from now. If you write down on a piece of paper how much time you spend on a screen per day, then on the other side of that piece of paper, how much time you spend in the Word of God, and look purely at the numbers, no making excuses, what would be the thing you value most? No excuses. What do the numbers say? Don't justify your love for the things of this world. Confess it to the Lord. Confess that maybe you love the things of this world too much and you love him too little and ask him to give you a love for his son, Jesus Christ, tonight. One of the strangest verses in scripture about like somebody wanting to repent but weren't wasn't able to repent is found in hebrews 12 and it reads this lest there be any fornicators or profane profane persons like esau for one mosel of food sold his birthright for you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. See, Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of food, and afterward, he couldn't find a place to repent in his heart. Though he sought it diligently with tears, he wanted to repent, but he just couldn't find it. How, how can someone get to this point where they want to inherit the blessings of God, but he was rejected? It's kind of a strange passage to think about. And he found no place for repentance because he loved his sin more than God. He loved, like, he traded his relationship with God for a bowl of food. And how... How little do we trade our relationship with God for the things of this world, the screen time? We think it'll satisfy us, but it doesn't. We go on Facebook day after day. We try and find the perfect video, but it doesn't satisfy us. Only a relationship with the living God can. To live in sin, to make excuses every day about why people can't come to church, why they can't get right with God, even though the Father is beckoning people to himself. He is pleading with people to come to him. Why do people live this way? 
And there becomes a point where the Lord lets them make that choice, and the choice is real. And he allows them to live with the choices they make. Do I pretend to understand how far a person has to go before, um, how far you can push living in sin, getting so close to hell, and get away with it? No, I, I don't, because God's counsel is beyond human ability and reason to understand those things. What, like why God would allow a person to get to that point. I do know this, though. Jesus Christ loves you, and if you will turn over your life to him, he will, give, he will forgive you and give you a new heart. But the decision does not get easier as it gets older. As you guys are in youth group, the decision to follow Christ is the easiest it will ever be. And if you delay, you're getting right with the Lord till you're older, the decision gets harder. The more you reject him, the more harder it, it is to repent. And the thing is, indecision, maybe I won't decide tonight, is actually deciding not to. See, the real issue is that we love entertainment, we love news, we love memes, we love videos more than we love the living God if we're really honest with ourselves. One more thing I want to say about this before I tie it into our passage tonight as we're talking in our passage about the people listening to the word of God. I hope this stings a little bit so that I can help you, some of you, find joy in the Lord. If you're a believer, do not get, and do not get your addiction to being on your screen under control. Your life will pass you by. Your childhood will be remembered in your mind by the blue glow of whatever device you're on. You'll miss moments with your friends and with your family. You will not only not know your wife deeper or your husband or wife deeper as, um, as you grow older, you won't know them as deep as you want to because you spend time on your phone and not getting close to the Lord, which when you get closer to the Lord is actually a lot it can be a lot easier to get closer to the people you love because you realize how much the Lord loves you and then you're able to love those people. But if you waste your time on your phone and you don't listen to the Lord, you'll end up watching cat videos of them chasing the lasers. Your, your kids will grow up feeling distant from you. They will feel second place to your phone. Why do I believe the Spirit of God put this on my heart, put the topic of this screen time as I was writing the message? It's not about rather, because I think it's not about rather you have a good relationship with your family or your spouse or your friends, and I think those are effective, affected by this. I believe it's because we are in a battle for you as a Christian. Are you going to make it or, 
and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant from Jesus? I believe so many people are glued to their phones and they are going to leave the church because the latest trending topic is more important than hearing what God has to say to them in his word. I have, so for me personally, I have much trouble with my attention span. And I believe it's in part because of my cell phone and video games and TV I've watched over the years. For me, it was Tony Hawk, the Tony Hawk games. I played those like eight hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop. So the thing is, because of that, my attention span has gotten really short with just how easy it is to check Facebook. So I take responsibility that over the span of many years, I didn't guard my heart, and I wasted so much time being glued on my phone. So on Monday, I had set aside some time to study for this message, and I got to the point where I couldn't focus, partly because I knew the Seahawks game was on. So I went for a walk just to clear my head, and I'm like, Lord, I need to draw close to you. Because if I'm being honest, I wanted to draw close to the Seahawks. I wanted to draw close to the entertainment and the TV. As I was walking around my apartment complex, I saw the game through a window. And then I saw it through another window. And so I saw the game in two places at once. One apartment, another apartment. This made me think about how so many people in the world are imprisoned to their TV. For me, I realized that the issue is that I have fallen so much in love with entertainment and sports and the desire to just have my phone around me all the time that I love to watch the game more than doing what is so much greater of importance which is spending time in the presence of God. What the very heart of idolatry is, is putting anything before the Lord. Putting my desire to be entertained before studying the Bible. My heart more often than not just wants to enjoy, not even enjoy the game, but just have my mind filled with whatever is on TV at the moment. It's not even about enjoying a game. It's just I want to be consumed by the things of this world. See, the book of Nehemiah is a picture of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit of God takes the broken down walls of our heart and does a restoration work in our lives. That's what the book of Nehemiah is about. We see the Holy Spirit restoring the walls of people's hearts. Jerusalem is kind of like the heart, in a sense, of the world, because it's where God has said, this is the center of kind of what my earth program is going to be up to. Just as how walls are restored around the city for the safety of 
the heart of what God is doing. God restores the walls of our heart so that they are one line of defense against the enemy. But the Holy Spirit has a task of working out the idols of our heart, which is screen time and entertainment and YouTube and Facebook and TV and video games and binge watching and loving the world. See, I'm very afraid that most of us have three idols in our home, and I say that this as a little bit risky because most of us have three idols in our home and we're not aware of it as Christians. And they have become the phone, the TV, and the computer. Think about it for a second. We put our TVs in prominent places and we get these beautiful stands so they can stand on for all to see. And we cheer louder for what's on the TV than we do singing in worship. We go to our phones for questions instead of going to the Bible for questions about life. We go on there so that they, it satisfies us. We keep it fully charged and ready to go, but we have our Bibles dusty on the shelf. May God be merciful to us as we have built these walls of excuses to love these things more than God. God can build us back so that we don't have to waste our lives on things, um, on these things. The walls were built and completed in chapter 7, in the first couple verses. Then in chapter 8, God points to the way we are supposed to keep the walls of our heart so hearts strong so when the enemy comes not if the enemy comes but when he comes we can be victorious in christ that is by reading the book of the law what ezra did reading the bible to the people so in so with that now let's get into our passage but I just felt the Lord had that to share with you guys tonight. So in verse 1, the people gathered together. This is an example of how we should gather together as believers. You need to be faithful to gather with other believers. Let me ask you a question. Do you gather at youth group consistently? Not just when it's convenient not just when you feel like it, not just when the Seahawks have a bye week or they don't play an early game, but are you committed to gathering when the believers meet? If you are not, you will have very little chance in the Christian life to make it. And when the enemy comes to you and the holes in your wall happen because you haven't been around brothers and sisters who keep the walls of your heart built strong and the walls begin to crumble because you've been spending time on the tv instead of spending time you become vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy 
And one thing that I see among young people that hurts their faith is not only do they not commit to a like body of believers, but they, they commit to multiple churches. And the thing is, when the youth group at one place is having a fun event, they go to that. But when another youth group is having another fun event, they'll go to that and they'll avoid the topics. And the thing is, getting plugged into a youth group and hearing the good and the bad and the sermons that we don't want to hear, that's how we grow. It's not just about the fun and games. It's taking everything, the good, the bad, working through issues with other people so that we can grow up Listen to Psalm 1-3 about being planted somewhere. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Do you, what the world needs right now is those planted Christians who have been battle-tested because they don't just go to church when it's convenient. They don't just go to the funnest youth group at the moment, but they're a part of the church and they love the Lord. They told Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, and the book of the law of Moses is called the Torah in Hebrew. And in Greek, it's called the Pentateuch. The first five books that make up our English Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, is the book of the law of Moses, and it was written by Moses. Then Ezra read the book for at least six hours. What a long service that was. And the people, get this, they were actually attentive to it. It's always exciting to see when people just come and just listen to what the Lord is saying. It's, it's incredible when a group of believers takes time out of their week to hear from the Lord. And I promise you, I won't teach for six hours tonight. As Ezra stood on the platform of wood, there were men who stood by him as he, was re as he read the word. We need to know that as we seek to teach the people the word of God, that there are men and women who are standing by us, unashamed to stand by and to help teach the people. It's important that we have people in our lives who stand around us and will teach us the Word of God because it's probably the exception of the church when a group of believers have people serious about the Word of God. And the people stood up as Ezra was reading. Why did they stand? Because they wanted to show respect and honor as the word of God is being taught. 
These people are standing up and letting the Lord know they are ready to receive the Word of God. And we should value when the Word of God is being taught. Now remember, these people were standing for at least six hours. I find it interesting how we have trouble sitting for about 45 minutes to hear the teaching. I, I pray that we would just have an increased capacity to learn and grow in the Word of God so that the thing is, we love the Word more than the things of this world. We love Jesus more than the things of this world. So that the thing is, when difficult times comes, you know where your anchor is because you've sat hour after hour in the presence of the Lord. So all the people answered, Amen, and Amen, while they were lifting up their hands and they bowed on their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Look at the people and how they worship the Lord. Amen means to agree. So they are agreeing twice to what they hear. They're agreeing twice. When we hear the word of God and can agree with it and what it says and we can live our lives according to the word of God, we will be truly blessed. Now that doesn't mean we get everything we want, but the Lord will put a blessing on our lives. But often our hearts want to rebel against the word of God, and we cause ourselves and others heartache and grief by rebelling against the word of God. Their faces were towards the ground, and it reminds me of our passage from Sunday where it says, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see my face and live. We still bow down and we know that as humans, as humans, we cannot bow down low enough when we're in the presence of God. We can't, like, we try and bow down low enough, but it just, he's so good. We can just keep bowing lower and lower and lower before him. So these Bible, teach, te these Bible teachings are helping the people understand the law of God. So why are there pastors? Why are there ministry leaders? Why are there youth leaders? And the thing is, 1 John 1, 4 says, And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. The goal of a shepherd, a pastor, a ministry leader, a youth leader, a student leader, is so that your joy, as you come to hear the word of God, so that your joy is full, that you love the Lord, and you understand what he requires of you. And when you get that, when a leader understands, just like Nehemiah did, that our goal is not to come down on the people with a heavy hammer, but to help lead the people, then no matter if you are joyful or your life is difficult, your joy in the Lord will be full. Because some will say, ah, oh, 
I am blessed by the Lord. And others will say, wow, I'm counted worthy to suffer for Christ. So now we get to a famous passage in Scripture. The joy of the Lord is my strength. What does this verse mean? Because there are times in our lives where we don't want to have joy, let alone have joy in the Lord. Because maybe your family situation is really messed up. Or maybe you're suffering right now. And it's impossible to have joy in pain. But here is what the verse means. The joy of the Lord. See, it's not your joy. It's not even your joy in the Lord. It's the Lord's joy. What is the Lord's joy? The Lord's joy is all that he has done through Jesus Christ on the cross. The Lord's joy is that he is doing a work in your life. The Lord's joy is your strength. So when you lack strength to make it in your life, think about Jesus and what his joy is so that you find the strength to get through. So the Levites quieted the people and told them to be still. Now, the thing is, this is a concept that we have almost completely lost in the church today. It's been said that if the Holy Spirit were to withdraw himself from the church today, it would be months before someone even noticed he was gone because we're so busy. In the church today, we spend every moment filling it with something. But we, have, we never have times of silence before the Lord. We never have times in prayer just to say absolutely nothing and think about how good God is. And just be, being in the presence of him and letting him speak. What happened to the verse in Psalm 46 where it says, Be still and know that I am God. In this fast-paced life, God is calling his people away. He's calling them out of the camp, if you remember back to Sunday. He's calling them far out of the camp. He's calling them to be silent and to pray and to be still before him. The complete opposite of productivity so that we can be in real relationship with him. Then the leaders of the household got together and were trying to understand the words of the law. And they realized there was a feast that they were not keeping. So they go to the people and announce what the people are to be doing. And as a youth leader and as a student leader here tonight, as a member of the body of Christ, as we go through the word of God, Part of what we are to be doing is a continuous rediscovering of what we should be doing as we're reading Scripture and then helping others to follow the Lord. So the Feast of Tabernacles is one thing, and I kind of want to wrap up 
with this. I promise I only have two more pages of notes tonight. The leaders realize that they were not celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. So they called the people to go and get palm branches and build these little uh, booths outside of their house or like little huts so that they would stay in them for a week. Now there are three major feasts in the Jewish calendar And I think we should at least at minimum know and understand the importance of them. So the the feast of Passover, this feast was celebrated when the children of Israel were in Egypt and when God told them to kill a lamb and to put the blood on the doorposts of their homes so that when the Lord would come over their homes, he wouldn't kill their firstborn sons. But the Egyptians did not do this, and their firstborn sons died. Now, the fulfillment of this, if you remember, is Jesus was the lamb that was slain for us. So God passed over him, putting the wrath of God on Jesus and taking the penalty of sin we could never pay. So that's the feast of Passover, and it's been fulfilled. Now the second feast, peace, feast, something I want you to know tonight, feast of Pentecost, the feast of first fruits. When the people of God were escaping the Egyptians, and when they were through, went through the Red Sea, and The thing is, when they were going through the Red Sea, it was like they were being baptized, in a sense, into being a new creation. And the fulfillment was of this feast was on the day of Pentecost, when about 3,000 people were birthed into the church in the book of Acts. Now, the last feast I want to share is the Feast of Tabernacles. And if you hear nothing else tonight... Listen to this. The Feast of Tabernacles was a feast day that would remind the people of the wilderness wanderings for 40 years. So the children of Israel were wandering around for 40 years. They would build these little huts outside of their homes and they would live out in them for about a week. This feast is the only one of those that has not been fulfilled. Why? Because it will be fulfilled when Jesus Christ comes back for his church and the wandering experience in this world, which is a wilderness, will one day be over. That is why this feast is the most exciting and the one we are to look forward to is fulfillment. Because one day this wilderness experience will be over. The pain will be over. And we will get to be with the Lord for those who love him. We won't be strangers and pilgrims wandering on the earth anymore. And how we, how we need to look forward to that as believers. One day this life will be over and we will be with the Lord. To prepare for that day, just like in our study tonight,
God wants to complete the work he started in our hearts. He wants to know his work. He wants to know you. He wants you to know his word. So when the enemy comes, you will be safe inside the walls of his heart. We want to get rid of those idols in our lives that so easily turn our love away from the true and the living God. We look forward to that fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. When this wilderness experience on earth is complete. So with that, I just want to take a moment and pray for us tonight. God, we don't often be silent before you. Lord, we love many things in this world. Lord, our hearts are often for the things on their screens and screen time and our phones and the latest trending things. Lord, I just pray that as believers today, we will not make excuses. We'll be like the people who gathered to love your word, to get close to you, to know that you are the only thing that satisfy our, satisfies our hearts. Lord, for some of us, we need to repent, and I pray that you would put it on our hearts to repent before you so that we love you more. Lord, I pray for everybody that they would realize the joy of the Lord is their strength. Lord, so bless the people now. Bless your people who you died for. In Jesus' name, everyone said...